she's a survivalist. Like she's a fierce character in this storyline and she's not going to necessarily have time to be doing anything with her hair, like fussing with it. So that's why we made the braid the way that we did. And if you look at the end of the braid, we, we twisted it to emulate a dagger. I love that. Because, because she's really, really good with daggers and knife throwing. So I wanted to also translate that through the hair that she is just this powerful woman and her hair represents that. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Making It Women in Film. My name is Evita, and I am a writer, lover of film, and the host of this podcast, which features weekly interviews with women working across the film and TV industry in front and behind the camera. This week, I got to sit down with the amazing, just the loveliest Nani Casillas. Nani is a hairstylist and most recently worked as the department head of hair on HBO's exciting new show, Station Eleven. She's also worked as the department head on shows Get Short, Wonder Darkly and The Last Ship, and has worked alongside many other hairstylists on a variety of other projects from Lost to Big Little Lies to The Hunger Games Catching Fire. You name it, she's been there. Now, if you do enjoy our show, please do take a moment to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, give us a five star rating, and maybe even throw up a screenshot if you're listening to us on Instagram. If you do do so, you can tag us at Making It Women in Film. The first three people to do so will win a shout out for our next episode. We really just just appreciate all of your support and want to give it back to you. Now I'm not going to hold you here any longer because I'm sure that you're just super eager to get to know everything you never knew was even possible to know about hairstyling and film and TV. So without further ado, here's our interview with Nani Casillas. Enjoy. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. Very excited to talk with you. As I said earlier, you are our first hairstylist. We've had uh, some costume designers on, including Helen Huang, who I know you worked with on Station Eleven. Yes. So that's a lot of fun. Um, but before we get into your work on that show and all the other, like, like you have so many great credits, it's kind of mesmerizing. But I want to take us back to the very beginning. Um, where do you think this world of hairstyling began for you? Was it as a child? Did it come later on? When did that like switch flick? Well, this, it came from, you know, my grandmother was a hairstylist in the the 50s um, and 40s in Honolulu. She had a private booth at that time where she would do the elite, the creme de la creme, of, of all the, the socialites. She was a colorist back in the day really? amongst other business things that she did. And I remember my mother always talking about, you know, your grandmother did color. And so maybe subconsciously that kind of stuck with me. And then when I was about 11 or 12, uh, my brother's uh, friends, he had a lot of friends in the drag circuit, one being uh, 2D Nefertuti, who is the, uh, she runs the lips, uh, drag brunch in San Diego. And she would take me to dance classes when I was little, when I was like 11 or 12. And I was subjected from a very young age to being around drag Queens. And by the time I was about 15 or 16, 
I would start assisting. I was assisting my brother doing little photo shoots and um, I would do like proms and stuff like that. And by the time I was 17, I started working with some of the drag queens. You remember those glamour shots, the headshots where you would go get, you know, your makeup done, you would get your hair done. Well, that's where I started was with these drag queens learning about makeup and hair. And I learned so much for them, so much from them. Kelly Ray, Sheldon, Tutti Nefertuti, Georgia Brew, uh, who they're all still around till today. And those were kind of my inspiration to really starting in this whole world of entertainment and theatrics. Mm -hmm. It was just incredible to me. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like hair, especially, is such a big part of that image uh, with all the wigs and that effort that goes into really crafting that. That's. Did Did you learn how to like make wigs? At that point in time of my career, I was learning about really the fundamentals of setting hair, uh, working with different textures you know, because Hawaii, we, people don't really realize it's, it's quite a melting pot. We have a lot of military there. We have a lot of, uh, it's, it's Pacific Rim. So what that means is, is you have a melting pot of different types of Asian people. There's Puerto Ricans, there's, uh, you know, all kinds of Polynesians, there's Samoan, Tongan, Hawaiian, there's so many different textures. So you really do get a lot of experience and exposure to being around all types of people. It's very diverse. So I started basically working with learning how to deal with different textures and the fundamentals of cosmetology and doing roller sets and, and doing, you know, learning how to work with pins and, you know, how things work in that respect. And then slowly started going and assisting under Richard Steed, uh, who was a wig master for the Honolulu Opera. And I just basically learned a lot. That was my very first time of getting um, really a lot of exposure to being around wigs, you know, setting them, cleaning them, place, you know, doing placement and, and, and whatnot, and really just being around it to watch. And, um, you know, it was just really, really all very intriguing because it was a very different avenue of entertainment. It was, it was different than being at a photo shoot, you know, being in the theater was very different. So that's where I started to learn more about styling. And it was basically that those two points, whether it be at photo shoots, weddings, proms, uh, the contemporary photo studios, you know, the glamour shots, and then being at the Honolulu opera. So I, it was basically a lot of styling and, and, basically cleanliness and, and learning how to organize and understanding the logistics of working in a production, you know, so it was the best of both worlds with learning beauty, theatrics, and also the production side of it and scheduling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds like a great, great way to step into that. And where, when did you then get into kind of the, the television, the film? I want to say in my early 20s, a couple of years down the road, probably uh, when I was around 22, 23, that's when I started to do more commercials. 
Uh, I started to get in. Uh, I, I worked on Lost. That was my very first show wow. that I got to work on. <laughs> that's, and that's, that kinda... was, that's intense, <laughs> right? I like I think they spent over $14 million just on the pilot, I think. Don't quote me, but I, I know they spent a ton of money on the pilot. And I that was my very first experience being on a on a film set. And it was just it was just huge, huge. So yes, it was very intimidating, very, very intimidating. And I started in Hawaii. So um, the crew in Hawaii is very different than they are in LA. And you can, um, you know, a lot of times the crew works a lot with themselves. You know, they're not like in LA, we have such a big market. So, and in Hawaii, it's more of a family oriented, unless you get on a show here in LA where they've been working for so many years together, you know, you get that same vibe, but in Hawaii, you know, I was able to be around people that really, you know, they were like a well-oiled machine, you know, so I got to see a lot of that. I jumped on lost. And then I went to another show called North shore for Fox and slowly, but surely I, I, re- I figured out, I realized that I needed to be in Hawaii or I'm sorry, I needed to be in from Hawaii. I needed to go to LA and really learn and be around people in Hollywood. I needed to get a lot of, um, just, just to be around different people. You know, I wanted to get more experience. I wanted to get into a bigger market. And I felt that if, you know, I stayed in Hawaii, I wouldn't get exposed to as many things as I did in Los Angeles. And it was a great choice that I made, which was to, to go to Los Angeles and, um, finish up my, uh, cosmetology licensing here and, and then immediately go after trying to get into the union mm-hmm. here in, in LA. And it was just, it was a, a really, really interesting journey for me, but a, a good one. And I'm really happy that I did it, that I made the jump. Yeah. Because yeah. it was scary. <laughs> I mean, no, that's scary. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a leap of faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I did it. Yeah, you did. You did. And it paid off. How old were mm-hmm. you when you then moved to LA? Like, uh... I want to say I was around 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that time I had uh, three small children. Yeah. I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old at that time. I was a teen mom and I came out here with a couple thousand dollars in my pocket. And that first year I just really focused. I knew what I wanted to do. So I would work full time and then go to school. Uh, the, the father of my two younger children at the time, he would help me watch the boys and we would just try to tag team it. And I got my license. As soon as I got my license finished, I sent my children back for a year to my mother in Hawaii so that I could go after getting into the union. Cause it's a big deal to get into the union. You know, you, you have to strategically understand what it means you know, to, to be in the union and, and, you know, basically know what that means. Like, what does that mean to you? And to me, it meant stability. It meant being a part of an organization that cares about their members and wants to, you know, 
just make sure that we're getting a great life. So that was important to me then. And it's important to me now, but that was my motivating force as to why I wanted to work in Hollywood and, you know, just work with the best artists in the world. You know, we have some of the most talented people here in Los Angeles and people come from all over the world to work in Hollywood. And, and I'm, I wanted to be a part of that. <laughs> and now you are. Wow. I am. Um, when would you say you realized that you were like all in on this? This was your path. Was there a specific project that kind of made you realize this is what I'm doing? I feel like every single project that I go on, it makes me, I, I learn something new about myself. I learn something, uh, basically, I just, there's always something that I'm learning. And whether it be personally, professionally, from a technical standpoint, there's always something new that you can gain, some sort of positive that is gained on every single project. And that's the beauty about working in film is you can work with so many different types of artists and producers and actors and, you know, team members, and you always get something different from it, you know? It's, it's really something beautiful and magical and special. There's no other, um, there's no other industry out there like it. You know, the, the excitement of being able to work with different people, different, uh, genres and, you know, premises of shows, the vibe, I think that's what keeps it interesting is that it's not just the same old nine to five thing. It's not procedural. And I think that's what makes me like absolutely love what I do. This might be a weird question, but when you're styling, where in the process of designing a character's look through their hair, when you're in that zone, um, how does it feel? Well, you know, it, it all comes down to the writing. It really does come down to the writing and, and what is translated on that script. And then collaboratively working with someone like Helen, who is a genius. I absolutely, th this is, I think, our second project that we worked on together. The first one was on Get Shorty. And her and Austin Wittick are absolutely a fabulous team. And I, I just adore them both. I love working with them. And it's it's not just their personality and their how wonderful they are as people, but artistically, they're some of the best costume designers that I've ever worked with in my career. And they give me such incredible motivation. That is what helps me to see the direction that I'm going to for a specific character. You know, whether it be something that we're creating together or it's something that we are, you know, creating a character based off of someone in real life, which is we've done both now which is really, really fantastic. Yeah, no, I still think back to um, my interview with Helen. Um, it was about a year ago, and I'll link it down below for anyone who's curious to listen. But she's so inspiring. And again, just like you, like so passionate to, to the detail of the craft in a way that's, um, you know, not, not very appreciated very often because it's, it's an intrinsic part of, of the world that we're seeing. We, we take it for granted, really. You know, we notice it when it's bad, but when it's great, you know, we just, it's just real. It's what we're supposed to see. It takes you into the, the story. You know, when you have amazing makeup, hair, wardrobe, and the music is also important, you know, 
it can take you to a whole nother level of not just entertainment, you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the characters come to life uh, when they when they step when the actors step into when they get fully dressed up and everything's done, you know, it's a yeah, total you transformation. See, you can see the demeanor of the actors change because they're feeling that whole vibe. And that is really a phenomenal thing to see and to be a part of like to witness that in person is just wonderful. I <laughs> oh, love that. What are some elements of this process of hairstyling that you think most people don't understand um, entail? Well, I, I think they're the most, the, the smallest nuances, you know, you know, people that are coming up as hairstylists, when I look at what I, when I was coming up, I was taught to look at a person and really understand what is their character, really understand what their character is, study, research, what, what are you doing? Because that will help you to dictate what direction you're going to for that character. So it could be the smallest things like how the light is reflecting off of their hair, their parting, you know, the parting could, could change what era you're, you're, you're playing, you know, what you're styling for, whether it be a mid part or a deep side part, like there's little things like that, that I believe are so important to understanding when you are delivering and developing a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, on that topic, like um, working with lighting, how does that work? Like, do you talk with the people setting up the lighting um, and, and the cinematographers and such when you're working on the characters? Because obviously hair looks so different um, depending on, on how it's filmed. Yeah. So we'll have meetings, uh, whether it be a makeup and hair meeting or some sort of concept meeting to understand really what the lighting is going to look like you know, whether it be an interior and it's going to be more of a dramatic, darker uh, area. And then what we'll do is we'll get in front of the camera, we'll get our subject in front of the camera, and then we'll see actually how they light it. And depending on how it's lit, will will tell us if there are any adjustments that we have to make. And for me, whenever I'm, you know, whether I'm putting any type of root concealing, uh, just so it, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily losing hair. It's basically softening any type of reflection that the light might bounce off of the scalp. So it could be the softest color, like a taupe color for someone that has, you know, light brown hair and you don't understanding saturation is so important. So basically being behind that monitor is what, aside from the discussion, being behind the monitor is really what tells us, you know, what adjustments need to be made. But again, like I said, some of the hardest things to do, not just character transformations with aging, you know, people that are dying in the snow or doing some sort of theatrical period piece, some of the hardest things to do, those, all the things that I listed, yes, they are very labor intensive and they require a lot of artistic and technical abilities, but some of the hardest things to do are the more natural looks, you know, because you could overstyle it really easy. And then the audience says, Oh, okay, well, somebody put a curling iron in that. Mm -hmm. That's not realistic. Or the hair looks too clean or it's too overstylized. Like it's really understanding 
you know, what will that person look like after that person has gotten out of the shower? Like how much saturation, how much time has passed? Like there's things like that with tracking the time, which helps you to understand the saturation of product, how it's going to read on camera. Um, you know, is it going to look too wet? Is it going to not be wet enough? I, you know, there, and then having to be able to track that. Yeah. So yeah. Those are very important things. Mm -hmm. That continuity. It's oh, fascinating, it's, especially something even, you know, you see people point out when a parting like shifts during like one scene because there's like uh, it's been filmed maybe over multiple days or something. And it, it, it those the details can throw you off. But, you know, uh, also just sometimes the effort that's put into maintaining that throughout shooting. Like oh, that's very impressive. It's really a lot of work. And for Station Eleven, we started filming in January of 2020, and they didn't. We didn't stop filming until I believe it was June or even July of 2021, because we had to take a stop. We had to. We had to take a break. You know, yeah, because so what you were filming to, came to life. Yeah. Well, we didn't. We had no idea. We had no idea, and it was just incredible. We we're like, okay, well. Let's see what happens. And, you know, basically took us to Canada after shooting, you know, starting in Chicago and, um, you know, having to resume work and pick up that continuity after all that time has passed. It was, it was more than a year later. My God, that is yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> to try to recreate things because people live their hair color changes, the length changes like it, it, it it's very difficult, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. especially with actors who are doing other jobs at the same time and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean yeah. So you got a lot of moving parts. And, you know, for us, it it was really about communication, working with really great teams of people in different parts of the world, like Stacey Butterworth, who made all of my wigs, most of my wigs. And uh, Alan, Georgia Allen also made uh, some pieces for us. And, you know, understanding what needs to happen. Like we, I had hairdressers in Boston that were helping me do fittings because I had actors working on other shows and we were trying to figure out lengths and making things like it was a lot of moving parts and we, and we got that continuity. I, I, I watched the show and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. You nailed it. And it's I like, can't believe we pulled it off. Like it's amazing. It's so seamless. <laughs> and like, I didn't even know that, but there was this huge gap in between, like it was already impressive. And now my God. Um, and so, yeah, for people listening, we're talking about Station Eleven, which is a new HBO original currently streaming on HBO Max. It's developed by Patrick Somerville and is a post-apocalyptic saga that spans across multiple timelines and tells the stories of survivors of a devastating flu as they attempt to rebuild and reimagine the world anew while holding on to the best of what's been lost. It's based on Emila St. John Medal's book of the same name from 2014. And yeah, this is not a COVID story. You might assume that this was inspired by the pandemic we're living in, but uh, it's not. Um, although, you know, the tragedies and the storylines come to life in a whole new way than it probably would have three years ago. Um, so how did you first get involved with this project? Well, basically, you know, I've known Patrick Somerville 
since he was a writer's assistant. We worked on a show called The Bridge with Diane Kruger and Damian Bichir. And that's where we first met. And I saw in the trades that he was going to start working with a friend and client of mine on a new series called Made for Love for HBO Max. Uh, it was with Ray Romano. So, of course, I just shot a, a, an email over to Patrick. I said, hey, you know, I would love to work with you guys again and I'm available. And, you know, basically I went in there and we had such a great talk but one thing led to the other. And for some reason I ended up on station 11 and that's how that all came to be. And it, I, it was a very happy accident <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy that it, it went the way that it did. And, um, you know, I got taken away from Ray for a little bit, but you know, we're back <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. You know, we, I just, it, it's funny how that all happened, but I'm again, I'm happy that I got to go to Chicago and I got to go to Canada and it was just absolutely so much fun and so beautiful. Hey, it's me, Evita from the future. I just wanted to check in on you. Are you staying hydrated, caffeinated, and most importantly, enjoying the show? If so, why not take a screenshot right now? Slap it up in the Instagram story and tag us at making it women of film. I will personally come thank you and share it on our story. This season, we really want to incorporate you listeners into the show. You're the reason we're still doing this, which is why from now on, we'll give all our shout outs every episode. All you have to do is follow us on our Instagram, tag us in a post, and you might be chosen. We also want to hear from you if you have any feedback. So if you have anything you want to say, anything you want to listen to more, anything you don't want to listen to, any questions you have for our guests or for us, you can email us at miwif.feedback at gmail.com. Now, let's get back into the interview. So how much had you managed to shoot before COVID came around? So we, we were prepping in 2019 and then we started filming for about two months. Uh, it was in January and February and we were supposed to come back in May, but when everything shut down in March, you know, we basically were told just hold off. We're going to try to figure things out. And that's what we did. And I got a call, I think it was September. And they said, we, we think we're going to move to Canada. So are, are you down? And I said, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Okay. So uh, we started prepping in November and I went to Canada in January and we started filming in February and it was the best experience we had. I felt so safe the whole time that I, and I think, you know, they took so many precautionary measures to take the time that was needed to make sure that everything and everyone was taken care of. And we did not have one COVID, uh, one COVID case on the whole duration of our, our filming, uh, someone, anyone, uh, in the crew, mm -hmm. not well, one. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was great. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it makes sense. It would have been a bit ironic if, you know, the making of this show involved a lot of COVID cases. Can I ask just like, how, how did it feel when the news broke and you realized that you were kind of working on a project about this topic? 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. I do remember, um, the first case hitting Chicago, actually, when we were there, uh, it was a husband wife couple. Uh, and we were, I was like, wow, okay. We, we didn't think much of it. And then when we went back to Canada or when we went to Canada, rather, um, I just, when I was traveling, I was a little nervous, but then once I got there and, you know, they make you quarantine for like two weeks, like it's serious in Canada, the, the officials will come and check on you. And, uh, once I got out of that and, you know, I was back outside and back with the company, I felt fine. I felt really good. I felt like all the proper measures were taken, but yeah, there were, there were a couple moments when I was like, wow, this is a trip. How, this is happening in real world or real life. And, and we're filming this, you know, I, I, I did ponder upon it a couple of times, but I just, it, it basically was just part of my path and journey, but um, it was quite ironic. Uh, what I've noticed as, as I've been watching along with this is how realistic the hair feels um, and very authentic to the storyline. Again, there isn't those kind of curling irons that comes in where you're like, they couldn't do that, right? Um, and so <laughs> was that a goal of yours when you took the project under your wing? I know you mentioned tracking and kind of like, like, tell me a bit more about this um, tracking of hair for creating these natural um, hairstyles. Well, you know, the whole series is, is only about, if you look at the time frame, it's only about, I want to say like two weeks tracking time. So understanding when you go from year zero to year 2020, that point in time, when you're in 2020, it's only about just under about two weeks. So the hair for that, unless it's something specific, whether they're going on stage, like the symphony, you know, Alex, uh, our character, Alex, who's played by Philippine uh, Vej. And then there's also uh, Mackenzie Davis, who plays older Kirsten. Their hair does change for those uh, specific scenes because they're going to perform. But outside of that, you know, Kirsten or Mackenzie, we, we thought together that she's a survivalist, like she's a fierce character in this storyline and she's not going to necessarily have time to be doing anything with her hair like fussing with it so that's why we made the braid the way that we did and if you look at the end of the braid we we twisted it to emulate a dagger i love that because, she, because she's really really good with daggers and knife throwing. So I wanted to also translate that through the hair that she is just this powerful woman and her hair represents that, you know, whereas Alex, she's younger. She's, she's so much fun. She doesn't have all of, um, maybe she has, because she's a post pan, she hasn't gone through as many, uh, things that Kirsten had gone through since she was a child. So, and she doesn't really have a sense of understanding what fashion would be. So that's why like the thought with her hair is that she would have just pulled her hair up and just kind of gave herself a self haircut. And then she would see her own form of beauty. And she's like, cool, I dig it. I love it. So that was the, the reasoning behind 
Alex's uh, hairdo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that dagger imagery. It's it's so clever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what would you say were some of the, were, were there any challenges with this specific project? Anything you hadn't encountered before? I think, you know, it, there's definitely challenges when you go back and forth in a script with flashbacks. We shot uh, scenes from the 90s. We shot scenes from the early 2000s. We went to 2020 and then we went to 2040. So those were really great challenges with trying to understand, okay, how will this character look at that time? What were people trending and doing at that time? You also have to show in the character per se, like Miranda, our Danielle Deadweiler character, De Danielle Deadweiler, who plays Miranda, you know, when she first started out in uh, the early, well, in the early nineties, she was a child. So she would have children's like uh, those type of hairstyles, but then you see her in the early two thousands and she's down and out. So we have to, I have to think of, you know, how will that look? She's not going to really be doing her hair. So she had a couple different looks and we did some uh, screen tests and camera tests of different hairstyles. And we, you know, Danielle is so, so versatile. There's so many looks that you can do in Danielle. And I loved, I absolutely loved working with her for that reason, not only because she's super talented and she's hilarious, like we had so much fun, but the looks that we could do on her from going from being down and out to be more of a, a creative professional, it was really beautiful to see her transformations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What were some of your like favorite um favorite parts of working on this project or like a scene where you felt uh, the hair got its proper moment with caitlin fitzgerald when we aged her and we got her in that wig which yes stacy butterworth made that wig i thought that it really helped to translate her the aging process with her and i thought she looked so stunning and so beautiful you know, she just looks just gorgeous. And from her doing performances to her being uh, just, you know, being about in the, the Museum of Civilization, which is where they lived. I just thought she was just so stunning. It, it, I mean, it's a tough one between her and Miranda. Miranda just had some really fun looks. And I just think both of those women are so gorgeous. And they had the, the funnest for me as a hairstylist. It was the funnest part for me to do both of their hair and to, to be involved. And I also have to mention Denise Baker, who was my key in Chicago. She also helped me a lot with, you know, creative ideas and bouncing ideas off. And she was wonderful. So she helped me a lot too. That's amazing. Um, and as you mentioned before, like, I'm sure you meant you worked very tightly with hair and makeup as well as costuming. Can you tell me a bit about the conversations you were having when you were trying to uh, just craft these character images? Well, the first things were having our makeup hair wardrobe meeting and seeing the boards that uh, Helen made. And I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Helen is a genius. The stuff that she comes up with, I'm just like, take, she, it takes my breath away. 
with how imaginative and creative she is. I mean, she is just a breath of fresh air. And just in that meeting alone with Helen and Lisa Lehman, who is the makeup department head, and Austin Wittick, who is the um, the co or assistant uh, costume designer, um, just with meeting with those guys, just it, it's like you see rainbows and kittens and skittles because it's like so so exciting. It's it's just really just it's such eye candy to see her presentations, and it helps you. To, to know exactly what you want to do. Like it, it's some of the, the most inspiring meetings that I have is with makeup and costumes. <laughs> yeah. Sounds incredible. Like that sounds incredible. No, it's just so much fun. Like it just makes me giggle because <laughs> it's just like, it's like really are, oh my God, I get to do this. I, I'm like so excited. Have you ever had like those moments of like, wait, I'm, I'm like, I'm making this you know, like, oh, this is my oh job. My God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 definitely. I, I, I'm like, I'm so, so over the moon right now that this is what I get to do for a living. Like, it's rad. It's so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you worked hard for it. You deserve every bit of it. You know, I just, every single uh, project that you do, whether it be a cop show or anything, there's so much to take from it whether it be the camaraderie and learning logistics and learning different techniques, every single show and everything that I do and how I look at life and my journey in my career is that I have such gratitude and appreciation because it's just so much better than being in an office. (laughs) You know, there's, I, I, and I say that with love because that we do get to be in the office sometimes and we get to be outside sometimes. And I think that's what it is, is the diversity in time and being able to do things and mix things up. Like it's so much fun. Amazing. I just, I love hearing, you know, professionals talk about these collaborations and just the the sheer passion. Um, It's so evident. And, uh, you know, I just, You've worked with this for quite some time. Uh, how would you say that hair department is is usually regarded when it comes to production? Well, I, I feel that we're an important, you know, uh, facet to this production machine. And I do feel that production treats us as such, you know, and basically it's, it's wonderful to work in and great production teams that are aware of that because it's not always the case. Sometimes you have people that are focused in other areas and they don't think that it's as important because they're looking at budgetary, um, you know, those types of things. But if you have people in the production side of things that do understand artistically what we do, you can feel it. It's like night and day. And I have been fortunate in my career where I would want to say 95% of the people that I've worked with know the importance and they treat me as such. They, they treat me with respect and um, they really value my opinion and my contributions to the show. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great. I mean, and it is, it's again, like, as I said earlier, it's an essential part. It's this kind of 
invisible part that supports everything, you know. Um, so I'd like to ask you, like, what's been your favorite project so far? I mean, again, you said that every single one has something really great, but what's been one that just like whew, blew you away? I'd have to say that, you know, I've worked, I've been fortunate to work with some really amazing people and I can off of the top of my head, I would have to say, of course, Station Eleven was by far some of the exciting and, and beautiful, beautiful project. I loved working on that. Uh, Get Shorty was so wonderful. I really enjoyed developing the, the uh, Amara Escalante character who is played by Lydia Porto. We had some amazing fun hairstyles on her and her character was based off of the Black Widow of Miami who, if you ever watch the Cocaine Cowboys on Netflix, it's basically talking about how the skyline was this woman who was in, she was like the top dog of the cocaine industry in Miami and the money that she was bringing into Miami from that whole cocaine, you know, trade was responsible for their skyline. So this character that I built or that I, that was surrounded around Griselda Blanco was uh, played by Lydia Porto. That was a super, super fun. Uh, the, all the hairstyles and the glam that we did on, on Lydia for that, that was super fun. Um, creating looks uh, for Next in Fashion, helping on the, those creative teams was really fun. And also helping out with, uh, you know, Linda Flowers on the Hunger Games. I helped on her creative teams to, to contribute to that for the second one. And who else? Uh, Yolanda Tusing for Oz the Great and Powerful. I, I helped uh, on some of her creative things, helping uh, on that and contributing, which those things are just so much fun. You learn so much because the, the multitude of production, all the things that are involved, it's it's very different than just working on a, like a smaller show, you know? So I would have to say that, you know, Station Eleven is just behind Oz a Great and Powerful, at, like the, the mass scale of people that were involved. We had a lot of people involved. So it's, it's just exciting. It's so much fun. Those are some of my favorites that I've worked on. And then also working on, there was a show that I worked on with Eva Longoria and Diana Maria Riva called Telenovela, which did not get picked up, but that was a super fun show. Also, we had so many talented people on there. Jean Carlos Canella. We had Carlos Ponce. We had, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, there's just so many people. So, I mean, I just love it when we can do theatrical and fun looks and stuff and changes like that just makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so I just have two, uh, audience questions here, which I think are quite interesting. Uh, one person asked how often are actresses actually wearing wigs? Like when is it wigs? When is it real on average? So that's when the sorcery comes in. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people like to, you know, a lot of actresses, uh, even actors, men, they do prefer wearing wigs for, for certain, uh, certain characters. And the reason for that is because it saves their hair from excessive heat damage. 
And it also maintains the color and the length. So if you're shooting a project that's like five months long, they will use some wigs. It really just depends on what it is so that they don't have to worry about cutting and coloring the hair, you know, and with the men, it's, it's all character based. So, I mean, that's usually, I mean, it's, it's very common, very common. And I feel more so now more and more people are using hair pieces and, and wigs for that reason to save their hair and also to differentiate their, um, their real life selves to, to separate them from the characters. And it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, I found out something's a wig and I'm like, that is, I would never have guessed that because every now and then there's a bad wig, but most of the time you don't notice them. And it's so like, yeah, it's amazing. And that's why you, you have to get skilled wig makers. That's why I worked with Georgia Allen and Stacey Butterworth for those reasons is because that is what they specialize in. And it, and you can't tell it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling yeah. most people think a wig's like when you can see it's a wig, you know, but oh, yeah. it's no, it's that's... wigs have actually come a long way, you know, even over the counter stock wigs, like you can find some good things very much. So, yeah. Are there you know? any uh, old skills from when you worked on work with drag queens uh, that you still take with you here? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like using, they call it switches, which is like a long piece of hair and you can just really pop it in to any like up to hairstyle and you, it adds length and it adds, uh, it adds like a, a like a, a, just a bunch more hair. It's like, you're adding on another ponytail <laughs> and you basically can incorporate that into any hairstyle, whether you want to make a ponytail or you want to just add curls or something like there's so many little pieces or larger pieces that you can add that I absolutely love. And it's so easy to work with. Like I've always told people always, always, always buy a ponytail, always have a ponytail whether it be a switch or a ponytail, always have a ponytail in your closet. Cause you never know. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need that ponytail. Like it's so, so easy to just put your hair up into a ponytail and make a little bun and then put that ponytail on and you are ready. In like 15 minutes. <laughs> always keep a ponytail in your always closet. Always keep a ponytail. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's you brilliant. You can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the next question was, do you have any tips for maintaining a hairstyle throughout the day? Depending on the texture of the hair, whether you have textured hair, I would recommend having a little like makeup bag of oils, whether it be a scalp oil or a little bit of sheen or something to keep the moisture up. Or if you have more straighter European hair to always have a little bit of like, I love the triple sec. Um, it's the blow dry bar triple sec. It's like a combination product between a texturizing spray, a dry shampoo and like a hairspray. And you can put that in the scalp and it will just bring your hair to life. Like I love those products. I yeah. need to get that. I need to get yeah. that. I have these here those where like, so great. yeah, like every time I curl my hair, it like lasts like three hours and then it's gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And even with, even with like gels or you can use men's pomades, like the Suavecito or the Layrite, 
I love that for laying down any type of perimeter edges around the face and in the nape line, in the neckline to really make your hairstyle look more polished. And a little goes a long way. You know, it's just so easy to do. And those are like the essentials for me, whether you have a scalp oil for textured hair or like a little tiny leave-in conditioner or a little shine spray, or just using those, that triple sec, uh, like the, uh, it's the, uh, it's like a texturizer, uh, dry shampoo. Those are super, super important. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess like, yeah. Cause I guess like one of the big differences that you probably immediately notice between like doing those, uh, shoots and when it's, you know, with movement is, is, is the movement, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want it to be, uh, you don't want it to be like shellac down. <laughs> like you have this Darth Vader helmet. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Um, so are there any specific genres that you want to explore in the future, Nani? You know, I would love to do like an amazing action movie. I would love it. I would love to work on something like with The Rock or you know, something that's super, super exciting, something like that, like Johnny Depp, even like he does, he does really fun, good stuff that I really, really love. Um, even Adam Sandler, he, he makes like the funnest movies. It always (laughs) looks like they're having a good time. Mm -hmm. I would love to do something like that. Or even Jason Momoa. Mm -hmm. And I know Jason, he's, he's from Hawaii too. And I've met him when he was he used to work with my brother on Baywatch Hawaii. And I have a picture of him actually, when we were together, he was like, we were probably both like 18 or 19 or something like that. Both of us. Um, and I would love to work with him because he looks like he has a lot of fun too. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm partial to the Polynesians because I'm from Hawaii, but I just love like the whole vibe, you know, even like, um, who else looks like they're super fun. Like, I love, I love Eva Longora and she's, she's a lot of fun. I, I know. Cause I've worked with her. So yeah, I just, if you're not having fun, I don't want to do it. Yeah. 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 You know, you gotta have fun. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, can, so can I ask like, what, what kind of work would you be doing with the rock considering his uh, state of hair? Uh, hey, what goes into that? Like, I'm, cause I know that's to, a genuine you question. To, like, <laughs> you have to maintain the shadow because when you have hair that that's the thing, when you have short hair, it's all about making sure that you maintain that there's no shadow, or if there is a shadow, then you have to consistently make sure that it's, it's done right. If, if too much time passes, then the, the hair grows and you, you have a shadow and with him, you don't see a shadow anymore. You know, he styles his hair in a, in a sense where it's more maintenance and grooming than it is styling, but you have to maintain that look, right? So it's constantly shaving, shaving, shaving up. Dream job. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm learning so many new things. Like I was just like, oh yeah, the rocket just goes on set, you know, like that's just. <laughs> no, he has to, he has to get groomed, you know, yeah. just like men shave mm-hmm. their face. Mm-hmm. He has to shave his head. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm um, totally down for that. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this <laughs> another is... <laughs> fun person is Zach Levi. I love working with Zach. Oh. I haven't worked. I actually started my career in LA working with Zach Levi on Chuck. Uh, that was my very first 
uh, full-time series that I worked on. And it was with uh, Zachary Levi, Adam Baldwin, Yvonne Strahovski, all those guys. Uh, it was so much fun. Such a great show. Wow. I mean, yeah. Tony Hale. Tony Hale is so much fun. <laughs> you know, Josh Gomez, like they're all those guys. It was, I would love to work with, uh, with Zach again. He's great. That's amazing. Oh. Um, so, so yeah, for, for any future filmmakers, for any future hairstylists who are listening, what do you want them to know about the value of hair in film and TV? They, I guess what I could tell you is that working in film and TV is not like anything that you will ever do in your life. It, we have very different work schedules. Uh, we have different, very different ways of working. There's so many different things. It's not like being at a makeup counter or being, you know, even on a non-union photo shoot, working on a, on a legit union film set that has all of the, the departments and all of the, the, the protections of being in a union and working in a proper film set, it, it's, you have to be ready for it. You have to understand what you're getting yourself into. And it comes with a lot of training and, and education. You know, you can't just go into it thinking like, oh, I'm just going to comb some hair. Like it is, it is nothing like being in a salon. It's, it's nothing like being in front of a camera, going in front of YouTube and giving a tutorial. It's nothing like that. You are creating characters you are responsible for safety. You have to follow OSHA guidelines. Like there's so many safety measures that we have to take. And on top of that, creatively, we have to produce, you know, and work in, in, a, in a concept or in a group team environment to create the story, to bring it to life. And it is super duper labor intensive. People work so hard to bring entertainment to the world and, if it's something that you're passionate about and you want to do it, find a good mentor and get educated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Good advice. Now, finally, as I always like to do at the end, um, is there a woman working in this industry who inspires you that you'd like to give a shout out to? You know, that's a tough one because there's so <laughs> many women out there that I really, really love and adore and that I've worked with. And I can't just give you one name. So I, I was thinking and thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, what, how am I going to pull this, this answer? <laughs> like, how am I going to do this? Because there's so many, but the first and foremost person that I wanted to give a shout out to was my sister, Elizabeth Cho. She is the department head hairstylist on good trouble. And she is a bomb.com hairstylist and a mom. She has a new baby. She has four kids and she's a really great department head and a fabulous hairdresser. So she's someone, even though that she's nine years, my junior, I look up to her because she is everything that I admire in a department head. And she, she does beautiful work and she cares about what she does. Um, I wanted to give kudos to Megan Schaaf, uh, the late Megan Schaaf, who was also an amazing hairdresser who I adored. And I really looked up to her work. She's, she had beautiful work that she did. Some of my uh, mentors 
were Susan Schuler, uh, Bar- Susan Schuler, who did Lost, Barbara Lorenz, who's done so many things, working under Linda Flowers, who who has done so many things, and The Hunger Games, Yolanda Tusing, who was responsible for, uh, who I worked under. Oz the Great and Powerful, but she was also responsible for some of the most iconic hairstyles like Edward Scissorhands and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Doubtfire. Oh. Like so, so wonderful. So wonderful. Uh, Beatrice de Alba, who I got to work alongside of uh, on the Hunger Games, who was, who got the Oscar for Frida and just, she has done beautiful, beautiful work. And some of the other women that I've been lucky enough to work with recently, more recently, have been Felicia Leatherwood, who was the department head uh, in Secure, and she did beautiful, oh. she did Issa Rae. Mm. She does beautiful work. Uh, Felicia Leatherwood, Stacy Morris, who does Eddie Murphy, she does, Stacy Cuts does some of the most beautiful barbering that I've ever seen, and some of the most wonderful character hairstyles that I've ever seen, uh, in Hollywood. And she also did coming to America. And then there's Mary Guerrero who does beautiful hair on dancing with the stars. And then another, the, my final one that I wanted to mention, who is not a film person, but she is an extremely creative person and does beautiful work is Sharon Blaine. And she's from Australia and she does some of the sickest hairstyles I have ever seen. And she has classes online that people take and she travels all over doing education. And I I have yet to take one of her classes, but I am an admirer from far away. (laughs) and She does incredible work. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I love this. I'm like, it's such an underrated part of filmmaking. Um, But you guys, you put so much effort and so much passion and so much just attention to detail into it. Um, it's it's just very inspiring to listen to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this opportunity. It was it, so great. Yeah, it's been it's been so fun and so educational. Like there's so much I, I had no idea about. Um, but now I'm definitely going to pay way more attention to the hair and just uh, I mean it it all creates the visuals, you know. So thank you for singing and sharing uh, all of your wisdom. And I'm sure we could be sitting for another hour or two because like there is so much that's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody wants to to see more of what we're doing on Station 11 or anything else, they can follow me on Instagram. It's I C underscore and is a Nancy A and is a Nancy I. So I C underscore Nani. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, they and see me there. Yes, I'll make sure to link everything down below. Um, people, go watch Station Eleven. Uh, go follow Nani, and uh, thank you again for this wonderful, wonderful discussion. Thank you, Evita. Thank you so much for having me. Making It Women in Film is hosted by Malin Evita, produced in collaboration with her and Redeeming Features. Our production supervisor is Ruth Aitken. Research is by Lauren San Miguel. Shania Bethun and Abby Weiss are our production assistants. If you enjoy our show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show by posting about us on your social media and following us on Instagram at Making It Women in Film. If you have any questions or feedback, DM us or email us at miwif.feedback at gmail.com. For more, visit womeninfilm.co.uk or redeemingfeatures.co.uk. Everything will be linked down in the show notes. 
Thank you and we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Men Here, Women in Film.